Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It is my prayer that um, as we dedicate this few minutes unto God, that God will indeed teach us from his word as he has placed it upon my heart in the name of Jesus. Praise God. I just had the leading to talk about the light. I was meditating and that word kept coming, the light. So I had to go through scripture. Actually, God led me to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. And I was wondering, why? What is, what, what, what do I need to know? Or what do we need to know about the light? Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Genesis. And I believe that God who has sent his word will grant us understanding in Jesus' mighty name. Genesis chapter 1. Let me start reading from the Living Bible from verse 1. When God began creating the heavens and the earth, the earth was at first a shapeless, chaotic mass with the Spirit of God brooding over the dark vapors. Verse 3 says, Then God said, let there be light, and light appeared, and God was pleased with it, and divided the light from darkness. So he let it shine for a while, and then there was darkness again. He called the light daytime, and the darkness nighttime. Together they formed the first day. Let's look at the account in, in another version. Let's look at King James. That same Genesis chapter 1 from verse 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. We're all familiar with what light is. But I'm not sure if we are really familiar with who light is. There's a difference between what and who. We all know we all need light in our house. We all take lights in the form of um, touch lights and so on. We, we all carry those around. Even most phones now, they have a touch lights as a source of light. So that is what light is. But who is the light? Hallelujah. Who is the Bible referring to as the light? In the beginning here, we saw that there were so many pertinent things that happened for creation to be what it is. And I was wondering how come God had to settle the issue of light before every other thing. 
And I think the reasonable way to just think about this is, what are you going to do without light? God ensured that there was light before any other thing came. And he gave a command in Genesis chapter 3, verse 3. He said, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. This was not just a mere word. This was a command. God commanded that the light should be in existence or that the light should come into existence and the light came. If we draw an inference from the scripture, where the scripture talks about us being the light in Matthew chapter 5, the Bible said that we are the light of the world. It said a candle, you cannot hide a candle under the bushel because the candle is a source of light. What you do to the candle is that you place it upon a candlestick and you place it in a place where it can bring light to as many as are around it. It said you cannot hide a bushel under, a bushel stays over. And I was now wondering, what is it that God really wants us to do if he has called us the light? The simple answer is to shine. And not just to shine, to outshine darkness. Because from the very beginning, we were made to know that light and darkness coexisted. Because it takes light and darkness to make a day. So if we say that there, do, there won't be darkness in a day, we are indirectly remaking the earth. So if that is not possible, that means that there has to be light and darkness to make a day. By inference, there has to be light and dark situations that may come upon the face of the earth. I was, I was wondering why the Bible initially said that before the light came, it said the whole earth was shapeless and it said it was a chaotic mass. Aren't we experiencing the same chaotic situation in the world today? Where even people in authority and in, with great power, they are even confused about certain things that are happening in our, in our world today. So many chaotic situations, so many people have found themselves in so many chaotic situations and they do not, they seem as though they do not have an answer. The truth is that the world system does not have an answer that God has provided solution to. God has given you and I, who are the light of the world, to provide solution to the chaotic darkness that is happening upon planet Earth today. Light and darkness coexist to make a day. So whatever situation is happening in around us now, it is not God's desire that his people will dwell in darkness. No, at Goshen, the people did not dwell in darkness. They dwelt in light because they were the light and they had the source of light on their inside. Just like now, we have the source of light on our inside. And the way we live, as they live then in Goshen, we live as the children of light, as the source of light. 
We do not live like the Egyptians in those days. They lived, they had to live in darkness because they were not living according to the standard and the principles of the word of God. Is it that God wants them to continually dwell in darkness? No. That is why he has made us the light. So that the light will outshine in any area where there's darkness. So the God is giving us a command today that he wants us to shine our light so that men will see. And he said, men will see your light and they will glorify your father in heaven. Why is it important for us to shine our light wherever we are that men may see our good works? Our good works cannot be seen when we mingle with darkness. Enough of beloved brethren mingling with darkness. We have said it over and over again. This world system will perish within a twinkle of an eye. There is nothing that it has to offer. The offer that Jesus has offered us is in the blood. And what he wants us to do with this great offer we have received is that if indeed we have received so great a salvation and we have been able to escape the vanity that this world has to offer, we need to reach out to people out there that are still in darkness. And sometimes, most times that we are not able to even reach out to them physically, we reach out to them through the way we do, through the way we act. The Bible says that shine as the light, that men may see your light. They will see your good works. How will they see? They see what you do. They see your behavior. They see your attitude. I had an understanding this afternoon that actually Matthew chapter 5 that talks about the Beatitudes is actually talking about the believer's attitude. What should be our attitude in time of lack? What should be our attitude in time of need or want? What should be our attitude in times when others are feeling one thing or the other? Let's quickly go to that scripture. Genesis chapter 5. What should be the believer's attitude at such a time like this? Loved, we need to believe that we are actually at the end times and there is no more time to waste. There is no more time to mingle with darkness. This is the time that the command that God has given us that we should shine our light. This is the time that we should shine our light. The Bible says that it said our righteousness has to supersede the righteousness of the Pharisees, which means that the Pharisees also have their own level of righteousness, but it's not a righteousness that can be compared with the righteousness that is found in a child of God. God is not interested in us being mere people, having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. God is not interested in such a life. God is interested in a life that understands the power it has received at salvation. What is the essence of having power without using it? What is the essence of having so great power and still remaining powerless? It is not the fault of him who has given the power. He has given it. It is the fault of him who did not accept or has not had a full understanding of what he accepted. 
if we have come to salvation, if we have given our life to Christ and we are still living in a powerless state, then it is no longer, it is God has done his own part. It is left for us to do our own part. What is our own part that we should do? Dig into the word. Find out what we are made up of. If a man does not know what he's made up of, he would definitely abuse himself, herself, or the situation that he may be in. When the use of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. Beloved, why are you still living in an abused, abused or abusive state? Why is it that you are living below standard? Why is it that you are living and allowing the enemy to trample upon you? When the Bible said that ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free, why are you still living a substandard life when everyone is crying and saying, who shall I send? And God is just waiting for one man to say, oh, I'm here, Lord, send me. Because we have been given everything we need to live a life of godliness. We have been given this power. And it says that when the Holy Ghost comes upon us, he said we will receive power. Has the Holy Ghost come upon you since you believed? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you have believed? If you have received the Holy Spirit, then why are you still in that state you are? Why are you still living so powerlessly? Why are you still waking up in the middle of the night and having nightmares and not being able to go back into the world and say what the scripture has said concerning every principality and, principality and power? The Lord said in Colossians 2, he said that Jesus is the head of every principality and power. So who is that or what is that principality and, principality and power that wants to have a dominion over you? Nothing should be able to have dominion over you. Because there is somebody in you who is the head of every principality and power. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 5. When we start from, from verse 1, we'll see the attitude that God wants us as believers to have. Is it God, Jesus Christ? He went up into a mountain and he sat there with his disciples. Note the word. When he was set, his disciples came unto him. It was when his disciples came unto him that he opened his mouth and he began to teach them. The Bible said his disciples came unto him and he taught them. How many times do you go to Jesus? Do you go to the feet of the Lord and say, God, teach me? He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He said, I will give you rest. But it's not just that he, will, he wants to give us rest. He wants us to come, take our yoke upon him and learn of him. We have to learn of him. As we have been taught, we have to be yoked with Jesus. When we are yoked with Jesus, he's able to lead us. He's able to guide us. He's able to teach us. He's able to tell us where to go, what to do at every time T. As many as are led, by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. God wants to lead us. And the only way he, he will lead us is by his Spirit. We cannot be led in the, in the flesh. We cannot be led by emotions. We cannot be led by just mere intuition. There has to be something, a word that comes from the throne of the Father. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God speaks. He speaks to our spirit man. 
But in order for us to hear clearly, we have to take a broom, the broom that the Holy Spirit gives us, and sweep out every field that may want to hinder the move of the Spirit in our hearts. We have to remove iniquities. We have to remove things that would not make God easily have access to our spirit. We have to remove those things, maybe in our mindset, that blocks us from, from receiving that which God has given unto us. Matthew chapter 5 said, Jesus opened his mouth and he taught them. He taught them. He taught his disciples. Jesus is looking for who he would teach. He wants to teach us as his disciples. He wants to teach us. He wants us to sit down with him to be taught. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for this is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit for this is the kingdom of heaven. I want us to look at um, another version. I want to check um, Living Bible and let's see what Living Bible says about verse 3. He said, humble men are very fortunate, he told them, for the kingdom of heaven is given to them. So what the scripture is saying about those that are poor in spirit are those people that will humble themselves before the Father. That is an attitude of the believer, humility, that the Lord is teaching us this afternoon. My attitude as a believer, your attitude as a believer, is to be humble before him. The second attitude that Jesus is teaching us this afternoon in verse 4, he said, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Living Bible says, those who mourn are fortunate for they shall be comforted. There are various ways in which, which people mourn. I believe this is not just talking about physical mourning. There are people that in their spirit, they have been groaning, they have been mourning. They are sort of put on sackcloths, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, waiting for what God had planned and ordained to do on planet Earth. It's a blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. God's intention is that we will be comforted in every area that we mourn. Is there a situation in which it's causing us to mourn? Is there a situation where we seem not to be um, really settled down in? God said, blessed are you when you stay with me and you mourn rightly. He said, you are fortunate for you shall be comforted. Verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Living Bible says, the meek and the lowly are fortunate, for the whole wild world belongs to them. The third attitude that God wants us to come before him to have is to be meek and lowly. Even this speaks about Jesus about him being meek, about him being lowly. If he was not meek and lowly, he would not ascend to that cross. He would not, he, he would not die for our sins. He took humility. He took him to mourn for the sins of the world. He took him to be meek and be lowly. 
and spirit for him to be able to gain the whole world to himself. These things that the, the Lord is teaching us to do, he himself has done them. And he said he wants us to learn of him. And the only way where we, we can learn of him is to see what he has done. Obey the command that he has given us and live our life in accordance to the life of Jesus. To do the things that God has commanded us to do. Verse 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Living Bible says, Happy are those who long to be just and good, for they shall be completely satisfied. To be just and good. To hunger and thirst after righteousness. Where does our hunger lie? Where does our thirst lie? Jesus is admonishing us to hunger and thirst after righteousness. To seek for things that are just and good. He said we will be completely satisfied. Do you have a hunger and thirst for God today? He said you will be completely satisfied. I have a hunger and thirst for God. I want more of him and I know that I will be completely satisfied. Jesus spoke to that woman, that Samaritan woman. He said, if you continue to come to this well, this well that you're used to, if you continually come to your old ways, you're going to remain the same and nothing is going to change about you. I'm paraphrasing now. But he said, if you accept this water that I'm giving unto you, it shall be in you a well. It will overflow unto eternal life. And the woman quickly said, I need that water. Are you not tired of your old ways? Me, I'm tired of my old ways. I am tired of doing things that are just normal. I seek and hunger for new things in the spirit. The woman quickly said, I want this well. <laughs> Let it be in me so that I don't have to come to my old ways again. Are you still battling with your old ways? Are you still battling with things that tie you to your past? God says, I want you to come so that I will make in you a well. And this well springs up unto eternal life. Is someone praying that prayer this afternoon that God, I want you to be that well in me. Let this well in me, let this well up, spring forth unto eternal life. That I'm a thirst and hunger no more. Satisfy my hunger and thirst, O oh God. And the only way where he can, whereby he can satisfy this hunger and thirst is by placing a well on our inside. And I believe that this well he wants to put on our inside is that store tank called the Spirit of God. That storage, that place that the Spirit of God occupies. Do you have a store tank in court? Do you have a place for the Holy Spirit in your heart? Do you have a place where you can dwell comfortably? Have you made your body a place where the Spirit of God can, can easily come into? He said, ye are the temple of God. Know ye not that the Spirit of God dwells in you? What are you doing with your temple? How are you tampering with the temple that God has given you? How are you tampering with your body? How are you using your body? Don't you know that your body, your temple, is the dwelling place of the Spirit of God? 
But the Lord will not dwell in places that he's not invited. He will not dwell in field places. He will not dwell in the field of life. He dwells in a consecrated life. And it's my desire this afternoon that we will bring ourselves before him and be consecrated unto him that he might use us to the fullest. There is always a place in man that God wants to dwell in. There's always something that God wants to do in the life of a man. There's always something that is in the heart of the Father that he wants to do upon planet Earth. He needs a man. Will that man be me today? Will that man be you today? He needs someone. Someone to be able to bring to pass his word upon the earth. If we go on to verse 7, he said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Living Bible said, said, Happy are the kind and merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Another attitude of a believer that God wants us to have this afternoon is to be kind and merciful. To be kind and to be merciful. And he said, because we are kind and we will be kind and merciful, he said, we will be shown mercy. We cannot give what we don't have. If you give mercy, if you give kindness, you will receive mercy. Verse 8. Blessed are the pure in earth, for they shall see God. Hallelujah. Living Bible says, happy are those whose hearts are pure, for they shall see God. Like I said earlier, God can only dwell in a pure heart. And I love that song that says, create in me, in the book of Psalms, create in me a clean heart. It says, create in me a pure heart and renew a right spirit within me. This is a prayer and a song that we ought to sing and pray over time and over time, over and over again in our lives. That will be purged continuously when we come before his presence. That he will create in us a clean and a pure heart. And he said, it's only those that are pure in heart that shall see God. This purity does not come by our works. It comes by us having faith in the Lord. And having confidence that we have been washed in the blood. And we have the confidence to approach the throne of grace with boldness because of the blood of Jesus. And not because of our own righteousness. Because our righteousness, they are just like fill the racks before God. So I do not have the power to make myself pure, no. But I have the power because I am enabled by the Spirit of God to live a pure life. It is a spirit that enables me to live a pure life. And that spirit that enables me gives me the grace to say no to every form of impurity. And that is where I have to do my work. When he gives me the power to be able to do things that are pure, when he dwells in my heart, he's able to communicate to me to do the right things so that when I see the wrong thing coming up, I'm able to know that this is an error and I flee away from it. That is how we allow the Spirit of God. Blessed are the pure in that, for they shall see God. Verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Living Bible said, Happy are those who strive for peace, they shall be called the sons of God. 
Jesus wants us to strive for peace. Wherever we are, even the Bible says, as much as it lies in you, be at peace with all men. Is it that we won't have people around us that may want to um, make us feel unpeaceful? You know, is it that we have people around us that may not want to agitate us or make us angry? The Bible says, as much as it lies in you, be at peace with all men. You can walk away from anyone trying to make you angry. You can walk away from anyone trying to make you do things that are not in accordance with the word of God. You can give a simple answer, a simple Christian answer that will not provoke anger in the other party. As much as it lies in us, the Bible said that we should live in peace. We should strive for peace. And this is an attitude of believers that Jesus is telling us this afternoon to cultivate. Be at peace. Strive for peace. And he said we will be called the sons of God. Yes, indeed, because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Wherever Jesus is, there's peace. Even where there seems to be storms around, when it comes in and it steps in, there is peace. There's peace in the word of God. Sister, brother, are you troubled? There is peace in the word of God. Is your relationship troubled? There is peace in the word of God. Is your marriage troubled? There is peace in the word of God. There is peace in his presence. There is peace in his presence. Oh, there is peace in his presence. No wonder David says it's better for him to just dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He, he said, let me just dwell at the doorstep. I believe he was trying to say, look, it's better for me just to be an usher in the, in the presence of God, in the house of God. Let me just stay there. There's peace in the presence of God. And God wants us to strive for peace. Verse 10, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Living Bible says, happy are those who are persecuted because they are good for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Jesus does not promise us that persecutions will not come. Persecutions will come, but how do we handle them? When persecutions comes, the Lord said you are blessed. When we begin to see persecutions as examinations to move to the next level we will not dwell so much on those persecutions we will just see them as stepping stones to a higher ground he said when you are persecuted he said blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake he said blessed are you you're preaching the word of god you're being persecuted he said blessed are you you're doing the right things, you're being pure in heart and people around you think your own is too much or are you the mother, are you Mary, the mother of Jesus, are you this and that and they call you names as they used to call us names in those days, SU, it, it was something like, you see these SUs have come again, these SUs, this and, he said blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake, he said this is the kingdom of heaven, persecution brings out the best in us when we're persecuted for righteousness sake the bible said that this is the kingdom of heaven 11 blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake he said rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you 
verse 11 of Living Bible. He said, when you are reviled and persecuted and lied about because you are my followers. Wonderful. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a tremendous reward awaits you up in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted too. When we're persecuted for righteousness sake. When we're reviled and lied and they lie about us. Because we are followers of Jesus. He said, blessed are you. He said, it's wonderful. He said, be happy about it. The prophets of old were so persecuted. He said, for we have a tremendous reward awaiting us up in heaven. So sister, brother, don't be easily angered when people persecute you. Rejoice because it's bringing out the best in you. It's like gold passing through fire. It comes out refined. Rejoice because the Bible says we're coming out refined. And you said you have a great and tremendous reward in heaven. These are the believer's attitude that God wants us to follow. Now, when you look again at verse 13, he said, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Let me read that in um, Living Bible. It says, You are the world's seasoning. Women, we are so familiar with seasoning. He said, You are the world's seasoning. To make it tolerable. <laughs> if you lose your flavor, what will happen to the world? Ha, huh, Father. What will happen to the world if we lose our flavor? What will happen to this world that is fast perishing if we lose our, lose our favor, flavor? Beloved, I think this is a very great encouragement coming from the throne of the Father this afternoon. He said, you cannot afford to lose your seasoning. You cannot afford to lose your flavor. You are that seasoning that this world cannot do without. You are that seasoning. I am that seasoning that this world cannot do without. We cannot afford to mix it with the world. We cannot afford to be mingled with the world. You cannot get sand and mingle it with seasoning. There will be no difference. We have to stand out. Stand out, beloved. You have to stand out, sis. Bro, you have to stand out. This is the time that we stand out. This is the time that we stand out and stand for whom we have believed. That is the time that the scripture is saying that you and I, our attitude as a believer is that we are the world's seasoning. Is that we are the salt of the earth. The world cannot do without us. They need us. If we lose our flavor, how would this world be helped? If we lose our flavor, how would this world be tolerable for them? He said, you are the world's seasoning to make it tolerable. So our presence is in this world is making the world tolerable. If you lose your flavor, what will happen to the world? And you yourselves will be thrown out and trampled, trampled underfoot as worthless. When we lose our flavor, we will become worthless. We will become nothing of no good than just to be trampled on foot. Ah, it is time for us to arise. Enough of brethren being trampled on foot. Enough of us living substandard lives. Enough of us living like people who do not have authority and power. 
The Bible says that we are the salt. Do you know the authority that salt carries? Do you know the command that salt carries? Do you know the essence of salt in this world? It is to add flavor and seasoning to this world. It is to make this world tolerable so that sinners can still see the light of Jesus and run to this light. The devil does not have anything else to do but to still kill and destroy. To still kill and destroy. That is what he has done from the beginning. That is what he will continually do until he's banished forever. But before that time comes, beloved, it is time to seize this world from the shackles of the enemy, from being killed, being stolen, and being destroyed. Who is raising up their hands this afternoon to say, Here am I, O God, send me, send me, O God, because I realize. I realize I'm the salt that this earth cannot do without. I realize my placement on this earth. Lord, help me that I will be that salt, that my salt will not lose its savor, that my salt will not lose its saltiness. I will not be trampled upon and be useless. Father, Lord, I will be continually useful in your kingdom. I will be the salt that you have made me to be on planet earth. If we look at verse 14. He said, ye are the light. So we are not only the salt. He said, we are the light. Before I go, an understanding just came that, look, people that easily mingle with the world, they do not know that it is the same people that they mingle with, with that will destroy them. That is why the Bible said, look, it will be trodden underfoot of men. The same men you are trying to please. They are the same men that will drag you out and trample you under their feet. They will use their foot to trample you and to rubbish you. So what is the point of mingling with them? Why must we mingle with them? We may be in this world. We are not of the world. Come out of her, my people, and be ye separate, says the Spirit of the Lord. Verse 14 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. Let me read from the Living Bible. It says, that is, we're still in Matthew chapter 5. Let me read from verse 14. He said, you are the world's light. A city on a hill, glowing in the night for all to see. Hallelujah. A city on a hill, glowing in the night for all to see. Ah, oh Father, make us a light. Ah, make us to glow in this night time of the world. Make us to glow at this night hour. Make us to glow, God, in the name of Jesus. It says, don't hide your lights. Ah, <laughs> Beloved, do not hide your light. Don't hide who you are. You are a light. He said, don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see so that they will praise your heavenly father. He said, do not hide your light. Just like King James said, you cannot light a candle. And put it under a bushel. Uh -uh. You put it on top, on a candlestick. 
so that it will give light unto all that are in the house. In your family, you are a light. In your class, you are a light. In your college, in your department, you are a light. In your place of work, in your office, you are a light. In the world system, you are a light. And what does a light do? A light brings light to all that are in the house. And it glows in the night time. It glows in the night time. The curtain is drawing, beloved. Night is about to fall. Jesus will soon come for a church without spot or wrinkle. The rapture will still take place. And as we all know, the night time represents the end of the event of the day. And the end of the event of this time is the end time. And at this end time, which is the end of the event, I want to make it equivalent to the night. And God is looking for you. He's looking for me. That as, at this night time of the earth, we still find light for all men to see. Will I still be available that my light will glow even in this night time? That when men see me and see my good works, they may come to this light and glorify my Father in heaven. I pray that God will grant us understanding in the name of Jesus. Quickly as we wrap up, I just bless God because what is the as they told us about the believer's attitude is something I feel we should read about every day. Read about every day. Read about, meditate upon every day. And I know that God will indeed help us in the name of Jesus. I just wanted to go to that, the last verse in that scripture. Verse 48 of Matthew chapter 5. We can meditate on all other verses. I just want us to wrap up from verse 48. It says, be ye therefore perfect, even as your father which is in heaven is perfect. Living Bible says, but you are to be perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. God is looking for perfect men and women. He's looking for men who will go into this journey of being perfect. He's looking for a man who will come to him and be the salt, who will come to him, yield himself to be that light. From where we began from, God commanded in Genesis chapter 1, he said, let there be light. It was a command. And I hear God commanding today again. I hear, I hear God saying again today, let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. And as many as have not been dwelling in light, I pray you come to Jesus and come and take your rightful place to be the light. The command is that we should be the light. 
And when we yield to this command, great reward awaits us. When we yield to the Beatitudes, to these believers' attitudes in Matthew chapter 5, great, great rewards await us. And beyond the reward, it's an honor to be called by the name of Jesus. It is an honor for Jesus to die for my sin, for your sin, for the sin of the world. It's an honor. Remember, we're condemned to death because of the sin that happened in the garden. We were condemned to die with no hope and future. But God, in his infinite mercy, gave us Jesus, redeemed us back to him. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. And if I am redeemed, I will live as someone who is redeemed. If I am redeemed, I should live as someone who is indeed free and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. If I've been freed by the blood of Jesus, and God had told me through Jesus and the blood that we should go and sin no more at salvation, then we should live our lives for that same Jesus that shed his blood for us. We have so much power. We have so much authority in his word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The word is God. God is word. He gave us graciously his word. That we might know him. That we might know him. That we might dwell with him. That we might stay in his presence. That we might stay in his presence. He gave unto us Jesus. He gave unto us the comforter. We have the Trinity living in us. The book of John said, I and my father, we will come and make our abode in your heart. If Jesus is living in our hearts, we should live like people who have been redeemed. If Jesus is really in our hearts, we should live as people who really have Jesus in their lives. If Jesus is in our hearts, we should indeed make a difference upon planet Earth and bring light to this dying world and bring light to this night time that is happening to the world at this time. Heaven and earth will pass away, he said. He said, not one tittle of his word. We go without coming to pass. It is my prayer that God will teach us to stay with him to sit with him and be taught of him. It is my prayer that we will surrender to Jesus and we will be easily yoked with him and we will learn of him and we will carry this light burden and our heavy burden will be given unto him that we might be able to follow him wherever he goes and do those things he has called us to do. It is my prayer that will remain the light, will remain the salt, will remain rapturable in the name of Jesus.
let's always remember to come to the feet of Jesus, to learn from Jesus, that we might indeed have and know the attitude that he wants a believer to have. God bless you in the name of Jesus. Father, Lord, we thank you because you have given us your word. We thank you, O oh God, because you are calling us forth again to remember that we are the light. You are calling us once again that our light will glow and shine. Are there anyone, oh God, that the light is dimming? Lord, I ask for mercy. Cause this light to shine. Take away every impurity that will not make this light to shine. Take away every sin and easily besetting sin that will not make this light to shine. Take away anything that will make us to be interested in mingling with the world rather than being examples to the world. Give us the grace, O oh God, that we will live our lives, O oh God, to please you till the very end. Blessed Redeemer, we love and appreciate you. We thank you for your word. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah.